one of the things I speak to my uh, mentees and the people that I'm coaching and the people that I speak to tremendously is about not work-life balance. I talk about life-work integration or life and work alignment. Okay? Because we're starting off with the wrong attitude. If we put work before our life, if we put work and what we do ahead of who we are, you'll never find your passion. Everybody, I'm so excited to introduce you to my guest today, Kevin Mavers. He is a historian, a futurist, a renaissance man, a conservative author, keynote speaker, and classic liberal philosopher. He owns multiple micro-businesses, and he regularly makes presentations to aspiring micropreneurs and small business owners who are looking to create, start, and grow their small business ideas into small business reality. Kevin most recently responded to the ongoing economic crisis by developing and launching the Academy of Leadership and Micropreneurial Innovation so that he could combine his 30 plus years of business experience with his decade of university teaching to provide a platform to help others achieve their goals of economic liberty and personal prosperity. Kevin, so great to have you here. It is wonderful to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me on. I appreciate the opportunity to talk to everyone out there who may be listening and hopefully give them a little insight and let them know that you know, they can do this, that everybody out there has the opportunity to do what we are doing. But what about those people who say, you know, yeah, Kevin, you sound like you have a pretty good voice, strong voice, fantastic background. And you've got these years of university teaching, and everybody who teaches will tell you you're making a presentation every time you get in front of a classroom. So what about those <laughs> listeners who say, yeah, Kevin, but I don't have your resume. I don't feel like I can be a great speaker. What's your advice for them? My advice is to keep this in mind. I didn't have my resume either at one time. Mm, yeah, <laughs> at one point, I didn't have all this experience, and I didn't have all this. I mean, you see how I got this gray hair up here? <laughs> it was part of getting the experience, all right? But everybody can do this. There, there's an old saying that leaders are made, they're not born, okay? Now, I kind of believe, I believe actually both. I believe that there are some people, yes, who are just genuinely gifted, but the reality is most of the rest of us just have to dig in and work at it. And there is absolutely nothing out there that you cannot find out how to do. You cannot be taught what to do. And if you find the right coach or mentor, you can groom those skills and you can grow it into a completely new set of talents in a really short period of time. So would you say that's the number one recommendation for people who feel like I cannot do this, starting with a mentor or starting with a coach in Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you know, it's the, the whether and it sometimes it's yes, it is an individual. Uh, when you introduced me, I am a proud historian. OK, I've got dozens and dozens of mentors and coaches, many of whom I never met. All right. But the fact is, when you read history and you study history, you'll find out about everything that's gone on before. So when you think about what am I going to do with my career? How am I going to take it to the next level? Lean on the past, lean on those studies, lean on that information that's out there and build upon it to grow your own business, to grow your own opportunity, and then take hold of that opportunity and just work it with everything you've got. And I'll say 
say this, every time I talk to you, Kevin, you are super passionate. And I think we would be remiss if we didn't talk about the importance of passion playing into being a great speaker. It's hard to get up there and talk about something you don't care about, or at least that you just you <laughs> cannot find an angle where it gets you excited. So It does. And you know, it, that is one of the things that's for aspiring speakers, for aspiring uh, coaches or mentors, you know, it really comes down to knowing yourself. And one of the things I speak to my uh, mentees and the people that I'm coaching and the people that I speak to tremendously is about not work-life balance. I talk about life-work integration or life and work alignment. Okay? Because we're starting off with the wrong attitude. If we put work before our life, if we put work and what we do ahead of who we are, you'll never find your passion. You have to understand who you are. And that's where a life coach or a, a business coach or a, a, sometimes even just a good friend. And by studying and thinking and really being mindful of who you are, okay? every person that I coach and I mentor, it starts with day one. Number one, I ask this question, who are you? Who are you? And most people will give me a list of what they do. They won't tell me who they are. Okay? So when I ask, who are you? Okay? I want to, you to dig deep. I want to think, you to think about your, your morals and your values, your ethics and your principles. I want to think about what inspires you, what fires you up. Once you figure that out and you start getting your business life or your work life in alignment with your life as a person, all of a sudden, it becomes easy to wake up in the morning with a smile on your face. You find a passion and you find, a, you find yourself so fired up every single day. Okay? That doesn't mean you don't have problems along the way. That doesn't mean you don't have obstacles and roadblocks that you have to overcome. There are things I've been working on my entire life. And I'm still working on them. I get up at 6 o'clock in the morning and go exercise because I'm still working on the whole physical health kind of issue. All right? But the fact is I'm in the arena. I'm doing it. Okay? And you can be doing it too. You took the words out of my mouth. When you said dig deep, I'm telling you, those were the words that I had in my head a millisecond before you said it. When you figure out what is it that makes you roll out of bed each day? What gets you excited? What difference is it that you're going to make in the lives of others? How are you going to impact the world and those around you? What, what is it that just lights a fire underneath you? What is it that just strikes that match in your life? And that leads you closer to figuring out what should you speak on and getting more comfortable and confident about getting on a stage. How do you, once you figure that out, Let's say you have your coach, you have your mentor, you or you figured out what gets you going. How do you, I want to start talking a little bit about logistics, if you will. How do you start a presentation in a way that just gets everything going in the right direction, everything's firing on all cylinders? How, how do you get the presentation going? You know, that's a, that's a terrific question because – Everybody that I've coached or mentored, everybody that I've talked to has that same question. I mean, there's an entire organization, Toastmasters, that revolves around that one question. How do you get people, how do you get in touch with people? How do you get people excited? 
Now, this is one area where I am going to say I am blessed. I'm a storyteller, in case you can't tell. All right. I love to tell stories of life and I love to tell stories that connect people. So what I do is I look back over my history. I look back over my life and I pull once I know who my audience is going to be and I know what I'm going to be speaking about. I pull a story from my own experiences. Now, sometimes those funny those stories are funny. Sometimes they're a little bit sad. They're all learning experiences. But the point is, I'm finding a reason to connect with my audience. Every one of us, every one of us can relate to the struggle of making a living. Every one of us can relate to the struggle of dealing with relationships. Every one of us can relate to the fact that we've been turned down when we thought we were a shoe in to get something or that we haven't been paid or maybe that we've got clients that took advantage of us. Okay, It all comes down to the same thing that human connection. And I do that by telling stories. It's worked for me so far, and, and at this point, I don't see much of a reason to change. You, well, you, and you shouldn't. Stories are what makes people remember your presentation. And my apologies, I was looking away because when you started talking about stories, I have a couple of books that speak to that on my shelf, and I was trying to figure out where they were. This isn't the exact one I wanted to get, but the one that I did pick up is Resonate. Present Visual Stories That Transform Lives by Nancy Duarte. She's not paying me for this or anything like this, okay? But grab a copy of this, Resonate, uh, Present Visual Stories That Transform Audiences by Nancy Duarte. Fantastic resource to have because stories are so important to your presentation. People don't want to just hear data and facts and statistics and look at charts and objective information and bullet points, they want some other human element that helps them weave all of that together. And like you were saying, Kevin, think about stories. Think about situations that have happened to you, funny or not, disappointing or not, and think to yourself, what was the lesson learned? And how can I take that story and the lesson learned and integrate it into the presentation that I'm making? Every so often, I'll throw in a story about my husband and I have a six-year-old son. Every so, every so often, I'll throw in a story about him when I'm talking about effective communication, right? How many stories can you come up with when it comes to talking to children <laughs> on effective communication? But figure out the stories or remind yourself of stories that you've had on the job, at home, out with friends, and then find ways to pull those into the presentation. But sometimes, Kevin, presentations aren't all happy and jolly, and sometimes it's hard to find a story or it may not make sense to find a story, especially if you're delivering some tough news to an audience. How do you effectively present to your audience if you have some not-so-good news to deliver? You know, the, the advantage of having studied history is that maybe I don't have a personal story that I can draw from. Or maybe I don't have a, a, an exact idea of how to resolve a particular issue, but it is so important. It is so important when you are presenting negative news or bad problem okay, that you find a way, number one, to engage the audience because they're probably all dealing with this problem too, especially if they've heard it for the first time. Their audience is going a million miles an hour. If you've got bad news to give and this is the first time these people are hearing it, 
their mind is going a million miles an hour. They're thinking about how is this going to affect me? Right. What am I going to do? How am I going to deal with this? Their mind is everywhere except what's on the presentation. Okay? And it is up to you to draw that audience back in. And storytelling is still the best way to do it, even if it's a bad story. Okay? If it's a difficult story about a relationship or a difficult story about being laid off or a difficult story about, about uh, your supplier shutting down or a difficult story about anything that goes on, economic difficulties are, are the greatest thing, you need to wind that story up with a second story about what can be done and how it can be done and use that negativity, the negative energy, as a springboard to positive action. Okay? Well, a lot of things that people don't understand, and this is one of the reasons I launched my new uh, organization, the new academy, was that so many people don't realize how many great businesses have been started in an economic downturn. How many great and wonderful organizations, big name companies, Okay? Like Microsoft, like Apple, like Dell. I mean, we're using their technology right now to do this interview. Okay? All of those companies, though, were started in the middle of a recession and were started at home. What a great inspirational story. But you don't know that unless you study the history of business and business development. But if you're facing a layoff, if you're facing a, a shutdown, if you're facing cutbacks like so many people are right now, or, heaven forbid, the loss of your business, you want to know about how people recovered. You want to know when faced with economic difficulty what happened to Apple okay, when Steve Jobs came back after being fired from his own company and what he did to turn Apple from being 90 days away from bankruptcy to being profitable again in 90 days. Okay. That, that's, I'm sitting here mouthing, wow, 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 wow. <laughs> and, and the words you said that hit the nail on the head for me was this springboard into action. You have all of these eyes on you, all of these ears on you, waiting to hear what is happening, how are we going to move forward. And that's what people want to know, is what's the action we're going to take as a result of the situation we find ourselves in right now? What are we going to do differently in hopes of not finding ourselves in this position again? How, how do I show up tomorrow? What does the work week look like going forward? What are we going to do differently to, to, to make sure that we continue moving forward as opposed to being stagnant or moving backwards? Kevin, <laughs> I hate to bring up this one, but we have to, since we're in this world of things not working, if you will, or things possibly failing on us, and we find ourselves in a bad news situation. What do you do in a presentation when technology fails? <laughs> uh, you know, they, I go into every presentation with the assumption that my technology is going to fail. Okay, that's the assumption. If everything goes right, sweet, I win. All right. But if it doesn't, the key is always preparation. And if you could, could I, do you mind if I tell a little story here? Well, okay. I would be crazy if I didn't uh, have you tell a story. <laughs> I was invited to give a major presentation to a, a, a large organization of urban 
and community planners. This is a few years ago, and the presentation I was going to be making was up at Yosemite Valley. And if you've ever been to Yosemite and the, look, gone to the conference center there, it's absolutely gorgeous. I mean, this is a beautiful set right down in the bottom of Yosemite Valley. The facilities are gorgeous. The surroundings are gorgeous. The people have to arrive from elsewhere, and there's almost zero connectivity for anything out there. So you accept old-fashioned landline-type phones. So you knew you were going to have the audience. So as I always do, because I was going into an unfamiliar setting, I arrived a day early, and thank goodness I did. But I arrived a day early, and I went over to the facility at the exact time of day that my speech was going to be given. And I was going to be making my presentation at like 9.15 in the morning. So, uh, and I get into the, the conference center and I'm standing on the stage and I'm looking around and okay, there's the microphone, there's the equipment, there's my screen, everything else. But as I look towards the back of the room, there is this bank of windows and it's looking out onto Yosemite Valley and it is the most gorgeous view in the world. Okay. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, it's a good thing they're looking at me and not looking the other direction. Okay, no problem. But about that time, and this was September or October, so and when at the bottom of Yosemite Valley, you know the sun doesn't come up over the mountains until about 9 o'clock in the morning. Well, as I'm standing there in this room, the sun comes up over the mountains. And I'm standing there, and the sunshine is coming through the window, and it felt like the light of God blessing me. Exactly. And I'm looking at that and I'm going, wonderful. And then I turned around and looked at my screen and realized that it was completely washed out. Yeah. And then I realized there are no, there are no shades on those windows. I can't close the shades. I have 24 hours to fix this, and I don't think buying shades is an appropriate <laughs> response. Now, thankfully, thankfully, I had already made contact just as a backup. Mm-hmm. All down the hill in the in the nearest city, there was a copy store, and they delivered. I flew down the hill, down back to my hotel room, went to the conference center. Okay, logged on and downloaded my presentation to the copy store. They printed it and delivered it to my hotel the next morning. So I walked in with handouts instead of doing my screen print. Okay. But it was one of those things that had I not been prepared and had I not, not uh, taken the time to check out the facility, I never would have known that I was going to have a problem at about 9.20 going into my speech, my presentation that began at 9.15. So. Wow, wow. I tell you, getting to your presentation venue early, it cannot be said enough. It just it cannot be stressed enough. And if you can go the day before, like you just outlined, even better. I like to preach, show up, go visit the site no less than two hours before your presentation. No less than that. But if you can get there the day before, I mean, Kevin just laid out for us a textbook example of why you need to go at least 24 hours before. And that's very nice how you you went in there at the exact hour that you would be presenting so you could see what you would be up against the next day at the time of your presentation. 
Yeah. And I understand we can't always do that, but the fact is you can go and you can watch the presentation. Let's say you're in a multi-day presentation and the venue's in use. But if you go the day before, you at least have to have the opportunity to go maybe attend one or two of the presentations given by others. See what mistakes they're making. See what problems they're having. That at least puts you into your head, puts it into your head that you have the opportunity now, show up 10, 15, 20 minutes, familiarize yourself, even something as simple as the microphone connection. Familiarize yourself with the acoustics of the room. Familiarize yourself with the location of the, of the equipment that you may be using. Right. And just and most of all, if you're into a brand new venue, take a look at the floor and make sure all the cables are out of the way. If you happen to be like me and I tend to pace back and forth across the stage, last thing you want to do is trip and fall. Right. <laughs> the last thing you want to. And if you do, just gracefully get yourself up, dust yourself off and, and keep it moving. <laughs> keep it moving. There you go. Keep it moving. I would say between the two of us, there may be, how long have you been speaking how, professionally? Oh, professionally. Uh, if you, if you count my, my semi-professional years in, uh, yeah. in radio, if we yeah, count, yeah uh, about 40 years. Between the two of us, y'all, I'm from Texas. I was about to say y'all, I can't get rid of the y'all. <laughs> <laughs> you all are listening to 60 years or so of experience of trial and error. And, and I know things like checking for the wires and making sure your microphone works properly and looking at the setup of the room. I know it just sounds like, ah, oh, really? But those logistics, the smallest of details mm -hmm. can make the biggest, the biggest impact and ha can play the biggest role in ensuring you are a success. It's, it's all of what feels like they are minute issues or minute factors, but they combine together in order to set you up for feeling confident. I mean, just, just knowing that you can do this when you have all of your ducks in a row. All right, I'm off my sofa. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're, absolutely, you're absolutely right. You know, I've been, uh, uh, again, blessed by a... a terrific group of my own mentors, my own coaches, people that I've known, teachers that have uh, believed in me and believed in my, my public speaking ability that got me started at a very young age. I uh, grew up with a dad who was a big believer in communication and not just any communication, effective communication and the ability to deliver a message and have it understood. So uh, again, uh, you've got a lifetime, a nearly a lifetime of experience uh, in public speaking, and between the two of us, yeah, I think uh, we've probably seen the vast majority of what goes on in the real world of public speaking. Yes, I think we probably have. If we haven't seen it all, we've seen nearly all there is to see. Oh, there, there will always be something new pop up. And, you know, as I get older, Kevin, I am not surprised anymore by anything. <laughs> That's the sad part. It just – let, let me just uh, for, as a thought, if this was a year ago, as opposed to right now today, would we be doing this on Zoom or would we be doing this on Skype or would we be doing this over the phone? Or, you know, look at the explosion of, of Zoom audiovisual communication that has happened just because of the circumstances since the first of the year. Okay? People that were never using this. So 
ongoing, lifelong learning, life going, long going coaching, training. You've got to be out front if you're going to be a leader in this industry. Kevin, given where we find ourselves now, where we are using more teleconferencing platforms to engage with others personally and, and professionally, what are some tips or strategies that you would recommend for someone who has to present or has to speak or has to lead a meeting via Zoom, anything, whether it's background, setup, equipment, voice, whatever? What do you want to give us? <laughs> well, if you're going to be leading, okay, then you want to set the standard for what you're going to, what you expect of the people that are going to be part of your interview or part of your presentation. One of the things that, that is so important, I had the audio portion of this down a long time ago, so I wasn't worried about it, but I am not exactly the most photogenic kind of guy. All right. I would well, <laughs> differ on that. I've seen a couple of pictures of you, and I've been sitting here with you for the last couple of Yeah, isn't, yeah. It, isn't Photoshop a wonderful thing? <laughs> <laughs> but, but when you're dealing with the, the truly the harsh light of, of audiovisual communication, the biggest thing is to, is to treat audio, video, visual communication the same way you would treat the uh, any other presentation you're going to make. Know your surroundings and make sure that your surroundings represent you and your message. Okay? You started off today by describing me as a historian and a futurist. I'm coming to you today from my home office. My home office has been completely designed and redone to represent me as an individual. You know what you're getting. You can see the books over my shoulder. You can see the American flag over my other shoulder. There we go, that way. You can see uh, the, the little plaque that I have behind my head that says, it can be done. All right. All of those things are so important because everything, it's not just my voice that's sending a message. It's not just my passion. Now that message is being enhanced and reinforced by the visual information you're sending. So make that visual message every bit as powerful as your audio message. I could not have said it any better. OMG, it is a full package. People are not just hearing you, but they're also looking at everything around you as well as you. And all of that is sending a message to your audience. And you have to ask yourself, what kind of impression, what kind of feeling, what kinds of thoughts do I want people to have when they see and hear me on that screen? Okay, everybody, I promise this is the end. I promise. Yeah. I promise, I promise. <laughs> hey, listen, I know you're going to want more of Kevin. Please find him on all of the social media platforms, the major social media platforms, LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter. That's Kevin Mavers, M-A-E. B-E-R-S. He also offers a 30-minute consultation to discuss your micropreneurial dreams. If you're thinking about launching a business, maybe launching any kind of a side hustle. I know people don't like that idea of side hustle, but whatever you want to call it. Talk with Kevin. He is the man. Make sure you tell him that you heard about him and heard him on Own the Microphone. Kevin, thank you so much. And to our listeners, thank you for tuning in. Bridget, thank you so much again for this opportunity. It's been a joy.